Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, where you'll get the latest trends and legal business initiatives that help you manage your law firm every day. Hear from the experts setting the standards for legal, insurance, compliance, and tools of the profession. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Here's the host of the Legal Toolkit, Jared Correa. Well, welcome to the midsummer episode of the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening, whether you're at the beach or elsewhere. I'm Jared Correa, the Law Practice Advisor with the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program. LOMAP provides free and confidential consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. For more information on LOMAP, visit our website at masslomap.org or like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash masslomap. I'd like to take a second here before we begin to thank one of our sponsors, Clio, for web-based practice management. For more information, visit goclio.com. On the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. Now, this time on the Legal Toolkit, we're going to make a little foray into marketing. We're going to talk about personal branding for lawyers. And my guest today is Dory Clark. Dory is the CEO of Clark Strategic Communications. She's a strategy consultant who has worked with clients ranging from Google to Yale University to the National Park Service. Dory is a former presidential campaign spokeswoman and the New England Press Association award-winning journalist. She has taught government and communications at Emerson College, Tufts University, Suffolk University, and Smith College. She's a regular blogger for the Huffington Post and for the Harvard Business Review. And she's the author of the forthcoming What's Next? The Art of Reinventing Your Personal Brand, which will be published in late 2012 by the Harvard Business Review Press. Well, that's appropriate given the topic of today's show. Dory, welcome to the Legal Toolkit. Jared, thanks for having me. Great. So let's dive into the questions because I know you got a lot of good information to pass on to people. Um, so folks know, I think, generally uh, what a corporate brand is and what it means. Coca-Cola, Burger King, Ford. But what's a personal brand, and uh, how does it differ from a corporate brand or a company's brand? Basically, a personal brand, the simplest way to distill it is it's what people think of you. So ultimately, uh, people from time immemorial have had personal brands, but it's only within the past 15 years that it's really begun to be conceptualized in that way, where people can begin to strategically look at and, and take stock of how they're perceived in the workplace and in the marketplace and begin to say, okay, how can I, how can I tweak that? How can I improve it and make sure that the way that people are looking at me is the way that I want to be perceived? What am I doing to move things forward, and how can I be perceived in the best light possible? And I want to clarify, a personal brand is not just about uh, spit-shining some kind of image and, and putting spin on it. It's really a question about who you are, what you stand for, and how you live out those principles so that who you feel you are and how you are perceived in the world are aligned. Excellent. Um, so most people uh, who seek to brand themselves, who seek to sell a product, they have to have some sort of unique selling proposition. And I think that's true for lawyers as well, solos, small firms, large firms. Um, so what are some ways that attorneys can leverage their points of differentiation from the crowd when we're talking about branding? Sure. Ways that attorneys can leverage their personal brand, I think it really starts out with a few different things. One is just structurally. You can look at your firm and, and what it offers and say, all right, you know, how is it different from other people in the marketplace? That could relate to your practice area. You know, you're an IP shop or you're a divorce attorney, whatever it is. Um, it could relate to the size of your firm. If you are uh, a small 
or solo practitioner, then one clear benefit that you always have to offer your clients is that you're going to have more personalized service than you could ever get if someone is, is working with a large firm. So you might as well <laughs> harness that. If you have some kind of impressive credentials, you know, I mean, even, even now, uh, years into his career as president, people still talk about how Barack Obama headed up the Harvard Law Review. <laughs> and so if you <laughs> mm-hmm. went to a prestigious school or you were a law review type, you might as well beat that drum. So uh, I, I think also you want to look at other characteristics that you have. So if you're gay or lesbian, if you are Hispanic, whatever it is, um, you want to think about, all right, are there ways that I can network with other professionals uh, you, you know, using that bond? Is there a way that I can specially reach out to, uh, to clients about relevant issues or uh, tap into that marketplace? So those are some of the initial ways. And additionally, I just throw out interests. Um, if you have an interesting background or something that, that makes you a little bit unique, I mean, a lot of IP people, for instance, have scientific or engineering backgrounds. And that is an automatic additional layer of credibility because you actually know how some of these ridiculously complicated things work that you're applying for patents for. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you, you can, you know, if you have any kind of an advantage like that, you might as well use it. <laughs> so you're talking not only about uh, professional things that set you apart, you're talking about just who you are, communities of interest you can easily become involved in uh, just based on what you do and where your interests lie. Absolutely. It should work for anybody. You got it, Jared. I mean, I, I think that hobbies even are a good starting place. I hmm. interviewed someone recently for uh, for my, my upcoming book, uh, What's Next? The Art of Reinventing Your Personal Brand. And uh, this gentleman is a reporter. And, you know, for 20 years, he's been a business reporter and, you know, covering what you know, most people might think of as some dry topics, you know, mortgage (laughs) securities and the oil industry and electricity deregulation and all this kind of stuff. But he recently uh, started additionally on his own time, basically covering the food and wine industry, the business Hmm. of the food and wine industry. And now he's realized that all of his sources and everybody that he has to talk to in his day-to-day life to, you know, report on government mortgage securities, uh, they all want to call him back first when reporters are clamoring for comment because they want to ask him for restaurant recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> not that lawyers are familiar with covering dry topics at all. but <laughs> No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, once you have an idea of what your personal brand is going to be, uh, what, are, what are some of the best ways to reintroduce yourself to your existing network as, as a branded individual versus, you know, the person they just generally know? Yeah, well, I, I think there's two phases to it. One is that you have the advantage moving forward when you're meeting new people, they don't have a preconception about who you are. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, it's actually easier. You can test drive things and, you know, begin to talk about yourself, you know, because at first, if you're beginning to reinvent your brand or, uh, you know, settle on what it is, you might be a little nervous, you know, oh, geez, you know, let's say you just graduated from law school and now you're a real live lawyer. And, <laughs> you know, you, you might, uh, you might be one of those people that sort of ends your sentences with a, with a question. I'm a yeah. lawyer. <laughs> and so, how, you know, how do you actually get comfortable in your own skin? Part of the way you can do it is, uh, is to actually get out there and just be meeting new people at networking events and practicing it until you believe it. Um, but the, the second and harder thing is that people who may have known you in a, 
you know, a previous incarnation, especially if you're shifting focuses, uh, you you want them to think of you in a certain way. And this can apply mm-hmm. for changes, uh, big or small. You know, I, I'll say that uh, even if you're uh, if you decide that you want to raise your fees, for instance, let's say you're a solo practitioner, you've been uh, you started out, you, maybe you left your big firm, and you said, oh, I can I can do it cheaper, and that's great, and it's a reasonable enough strategy. But, you know, ultimately you decide, gosh, I don't want to be the cheapest one in the marketplace, mm-hmm. uh, especially now that they're able to, you know, <laughs> send out work, every, you know, everywhere uh, with mm-hmm. globalization. And so how do you improve your value proposition? How do, how do you actually make yourself, if you've been uh, charging really low rates, uh, how do you end up getting people to perceive you as being a higher value attorney that uh, they send really good referrals to. And so even making a shift like that, even if it's the same type of work, requires some communication. And so I think that you want to do a few things. Number one, you want to make sure that uh, that people are aware of your shift. You might think everybody knows, but you know, surprise, they're not as focused on you and your career arc as you are. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to be a couple of years out of date anyway. So it's always a good thing uh, when you're meeting up with people or to, you know, proactively send them emails or call them and say, by the way, I just wanted to, to let you know really briefly about what I'm doing now. I've made a little bit of a, a shift in my business. Here's the thing that I'm, you know, really focusing on. Here's my sweet spot right now, just so they know. And then the other part is to back it up and to really show them that you are a master of this new expertise. And that involves largely creating a lot of intellectual property. And uh, I, don't, I don't mean it in the uh, IP lawyer sense, but I mean <laughs> writing your own stuff, writing articles, writing blog posts, uh, giving talks, so that w- when people think about you know, who really knows their stuff on XYZ topic, you're the one they think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so content is king then, is what you're saying, in a way. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit more about some stuff that you brought up in that last segment. Um, how is it that an attorney can then leverage an effective personal brand that they've created when they're looking to gain more clients or when they're talking to colleagues and other individuals and looking to gain referrals? Well, I, I think there's a, a few different ways. I mean, I literally just get off the phone right now with a uh, a client that I've been working with who runs a, a web development and design firm in Canada. And mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about this very question. It, it's hard for anyone who runs their own their own small business or their own firm to to kind of initially make that shift and get up the gumption. But what you really need to do is begin to realize that um, everyone has to be a rainmaker. It's not just, obviously, if you're a solo practitioner, you have to do it. And obviously, if you're a partner in a firm, you have to do it. But literally, in this economy, everyone has to cultivate that skill. And it's not something that is arcane or esoteric. Ideally, it should be a way of life, a way of doing business. And all it means is that when you see opportunities, you go for it. If you know you're talking about your work and someone, uh, and you have a good relationship with someone, and you have a, a client who seems happy with what you've done, it is always appropriate to say, "Hey, by the way, if you know of any other businesses that could benefit from this type, this kind of project, I would really appreciate it if you could connect us." And just mm-hmm. consistently getting in the pattern of asking for referrals. People think of it as this fraught engagement where they have to take a shower afterwards. <laughs> oh, God, I got salesy. It's not about <laughs> that. If people like you, they're going to want to help you. and You can't be afraid to ask. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great points there. Um, so we've talked about a lot of good stuff already, but we're going to take a short break here before we dive back into it. Uh, when we come back, though, we'll have more with Dory Clark. Now, though, a word from our sponsors, Clio and Katuno Court Reporting. Katuno Court Reporting and Stantel Transcription have been providing innovative dictation and transcription services since 1966. Our patented technologies and compliance solutions continue to set the standard for the legal community. Find out more about how we can create your legal toolkit at katuno.cc. That's C-A-T-U-O-G-N-O dot C-C. Or call 888-228-8646. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the role of security in cloud computing. Jack, what about security? Are there any ethical or security-related concerns that need to be addressed with cloud computing? We're starting to see the first ethics opinions come out on cloud computing, and the early proposed ethics opinions like that from the North Carolina State Bar indicate that there are no ethical issues relating to the use of cloud computing in a law firm, but that as with the use of any third-party provider, an appropriate amount of due diligence needs to be undertaken to verify that the provider you're using has implemented an adequate level of security and privacy precautions and is essentially taking due care with your confidential client data. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. All right, welcome to the second half of this episode of the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. Today I'm joined by Dory Clark, CEO of Clark Strategic Communications, and we're talking about personal branding for lawyers. Uh, we've got some good stuff out of Dory at uh, the front end of this podcast. We're going to jump right back into it here to talk a little bit more. Um, so, Dory, you talk about building a portfolio of work um, in order to provide some context for your brand. What are some of the best ways to generate a portfolio and to then, as you spoke of previously, content being king, uh, you've got some information that you need to push out. What's the best way to get the word out about stuff that you've done? Yeah, absolutely. So the model of uh, a portfolio, I mean, if you, if you think about an art student or, you know, someone who wants to get a job at an ad agency, literally, they've, they've got a booklet with sample logos they've done or pieces of their art, things like that. And it's a little bit harder for lawyers to have such a thing, because obviously, a lot of the documents that you're working on are, are probably classified. <laughs> you know, you can't necessarily, <laughs> oh, look, look at the M&A term sheet here. Ah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that doesn't work. So you have to think about your portfolio as being slightly different. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you want to be creating products that are for the consumption, largely, of the general public. Um, and you know, it depends on, on the type of law who your clients are, but oftentimes, if you're you know really going to get in somewhere, I mean, it could be um, you get hired by in-house counsel. That's you know a common way to do it. But mm-hmm. what's even more effective in terms of preserving your relationship if you're dealing with a business, for instance, is if the CEO hires you or someone on the board of directors is interested in your work. And so, 
coming up with things that make you prominent in the general public eye. I mean, it's always good. I'll, I'll, I'll start out by saying you want to be known to other lawyers. And so, you know, that's, that's a, a perfect credibility tool. So, you know, you have a, a bar association, you know, or women's bar association, dive in, go for it. You might as well be a leader in it because that raises your visibility. So that's very valuable. But additionally, you should simultaneously be thinking, okay, you know, what's the way that I can break through and create uh, content that is understandable, engaging to people who are also outside my area of uh, specialization, but that would have the ability to hire me. So that's mm. the that's the key thing is thinking first about who your audience is. You know, if if you're a diver- divorce attorney, you know, how do you get into uh, the, you know the women's magazine, or you know, how do you get into mm. Boston mm-hmm. Magazine, where people who are possibly going to have a divorce are looking, or if you are uh, some kind of a corporate attorney, how do you get into uh, Mass High Tech or the Boston Business Journal, the things that CEOs are going to be reading? And mm-hmm. you want it at first, uh, ultimately that means you have to start thinking about topics. You know, what are the questions that people ask you? What are the things that at cocktail parties everyone's buttonholing you about? And mm-hmm. if you can take that and turn it into short pieces, I mean, literally, you know, 700 words is great, and it doesn't take that long to do. And you create content, and for starters, you can put it on your blog. You can put it on your website just so you have it. You know, 10 things that you should always do for XYZ or, you know, five common misconceptions about ABC. You do those things. And then when people ask you those questions, again, at cocktail parties, you can forward it to them afterwards. You know, oh, you know, I wrote a white paper about that. Here, let me send it to you. And it's a great (laughs) way if there's some degree of interest to be following up. So you start out, you create things for your own site, but as you're moving forward, you have you know these clips, and you can actually start pitching them to other publications, which reinforce your credibility. Now you've written an article, you've gotten it out there, and you have uh, the imprimatur of an, a publication behind you. So it just serves to continually enhance your credibility, and eventually reporters notice, oh, they're, you know, this person writes op-eds all the time. Uh, let's, let's talk to them. And so then you get mm-hmm. to, to start being quoted. So it's a virtuous circle. Yep, yep. Uh, anybody can have a blog. I mean, they gave me a blog. So. <laughs> Absolutely. If you can do it, anyone can, right, Jared? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so let's turn the page just a little bit here. So let's talk about if you're rebranding yourself or your practice, for that matter. What are the things that an attorney has to be wary of? How is it that they can make others believe that the transition makes sense? Yeah. So rebranding is, is always one of the hardest aspects because mm-hmm. people have uh, these notions about you that have built up over time. Um, yep. And that can be that can be hard to shake. The rest of the world is always behind where you see yourself. There's a, a quote by Longfellow, which which I love, which you know basically says something to the effect that um, that you judge yourself by what you you know you're capable of doing, and the rest of the world judges you based on what you've done in the past. <laughs> and mm-hmm. There can mm-hmm. there can be a disjunct there, particularly if you're if you're making. Uh, a different kind of turn, or you're going out on your own, you're starting your own practice, or maybe you're shifting your practice area. I mean, I know plenty of real estate attorneys who over the past couple of years, uh, you know, their entire profession went on ice after mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, the economic crisis. And so they had to find something else to do pretty fast. Oh, you know, what, what else do I know about? So uh, you need to, to find ways to let people know 
ah, you know, I'm actually shifting over and doing this other thing. So I'd say a few things. I mean, one we've already talked about, which is that uh, creating content and letting people know about it. So, I mean, that means emailing folks, you know, hey, I wrote this article, thought it might be of interest to you, or or something like that. Sending out an e-newsletter regularly, that's always valuable. It's just kind of a good way to stay on people's radar screens. Um, That's all very positive. But an additional component that I think is important and often overlooked is that you want to create a narrative that explains your transition. And what I mean by that is that People want a storyline that makes sense. If you, uh, you know, had been doing immigration law and then all of a sudden said, oh, you know what, now, now I'm doing uh, corporate bankruptcy, I think a lot of people would say, well, wait a minute, why? <laughs> you know, what, is, what does she know about that anyway? And, and, you know, why would she make such a dramatic transition? Jeez. And, you know, they're used to sending you a certain type of client and now they uh, have to think about a totally different uh, audience and they might even not know if you're any good at it. So, you know, yep. it, it's, it's a little bit weird. And so what you need to do is be able to give people a story that makes sense in your own head. So, you know, basically you just want to avoid cognitive dissonance so that people don't freak out on you. And uh, so, you know, I would say, okay, if you really do want to transition from immigration law to corporate bankruptcy, um, you know, how do you you have that make sense to people? Oh, well, you know, I was doing immigration law and, you know, I realized that many of the the people that I was dealing with, uh, you know, they were having economic difficulties in the new uh, country. So I began to do a lot of personal bankruptcy work and, you know, that led me into the, the world of, of bankruptcy, and I realized this is fascinating, and so I began to get involved in the bankruptcy section of the, you know, the Mass Bar Association, and I got mm-hmm. really involved, and I wrote XYZ papers, and I realized that ultimately, you know, I could, I could leverage my skills in the highest and best way by doing corporate bankruptcy, and this is where my real passion lies. You know, mm-hmm. if you tell a story like that, I think people can, can get it, but otherwise, if it doesn't make sense to them, they're just going to shrug and move on. Yeah, it makes sense. And and we got our first Longfellow reference out of the way on the podcast. So kudos to you for that. <laughs> That's right. Somebody had to do it. <laughs> and uh, quickly here, I just wanted to get your impressions on one more thing um, in 60 seconds or less, potentially, if you can do it. <laughs> uh, how about for those uh, attorneys who are rebranding themselves in the context of a career change? Uh, anything that they should be looking to do or looking out for? Okay. Um, quick version. People are going to assume that you are a little boring and a little bit of a shark. (laughs) People don't really like lawyers. It's horrible. I know. I'm sorry I have to say it. And so instead, what I would want, what I would say to you is if you're shifting careers, think about what are the positive things you learned as an attorney. Oh my goodness. You, you know, you learned these amazing, you know, detail oriented things. You learned all about uh, the society and culture and politics and blah, blah, blah. And how is the law going to add to your new profession? You guys have amazing skills. It's a totally bum rap you have. Sorry. And I think each one of you can, can work hard to fight it by, uh, mm. by making a clear narrative case and saying, you know what? Being a lawyer has taught <laughs> me all of these incredible things, and I'm going to bring those skills to the new field, and I'm going to do this new field better than anyone because of it. 
That was very impressive. Very quick, too. Um, you know, so, some people say it's all about the Benjamins. Dory Clark says it's all about the transferable skills when you're looking to change careers. Uh, so thanks, Dory. This is great. Um, and that'll just about do it for this edition of the Legal Toolkit. Remember that you can check out all of our shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So my very special thanks go out today to Dory Clark for coming on the show. Uh, so, Dory, if any of our listeners want to learn more about you or about Clark Strategic Communications, how would they go about doing so? Thanks very much, Jared. My website is DoryClark.com. You can follow me on Twitter, and I also have a podcast series, Marketing Strategy with Dory Clark, available on iTunes for free. And I do listen to the podcast. It's very good. Thanks. (laughs) Now, don't forget to join us next time on the Legal Toolkit when we have another exciting internet radio program for you. And like Leo Lydon says, this has been LTK, the Jared Korea way. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Legal Toolkit. You can subscribe to the RSS feed and hear Jared every month right here on the Legal Talk Network. Today's legal news is rarely as straightforward as the headlines that accompany them. On Lawyer to Lawyer, we provide the legal perspective you need to better understand the current events that shape our society. Join me, Craig Williams, and a wide variety of industry experts as we break down the top stories. Follow Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.